Amen. Amen. Anybody excited this morning? Come on. All right. It's crazy time. How many of you know that? All right. Make yourselves comfortable. This is not the time to take a nap. This is not the time. This is not break time. This is not breakout time. This is not catch a nap time. This is not tune out time. This is not calm down time. This is exciting time. Amen? Amen. This, this is, listen, listen, worship will change you. Worship can transform you, but the Word will, will get inside of you and grow from the inside out. Amen? So, so this is not calm down time. This is get excited time. I like to start with a quote each morning. This one is more like a little passage. So I, I, I just need you to lean in a little bit and just get excited and, and listen. Ready? All right, two of you are ready. That's good enough for me. Imagine belonging, I mean really belonging to a special family. Imagine living in a safe place where you can risk being fully known and still feel accepted. Where people have a vision for who you can be and are willing to walk with you to realize that vision. What if you discovered not only that such a place exists, but that the power to see this vision become reality is already in your possession? What if you realize that this place is the local church? In a time where the church has been put on a shelf marked unimportant or irrelevant, we want you to experience today the community of church. A place where you can belong and you can risk being fully known and still be accepted. Amen. Amen. I want to welcome our family and all of their special guests today. And now, knowing some of my people in here, I know that some of you were kindly invited here. I know that some of you were picked up today. You were brought here and they picked you up, might have given you a Dunkin' Donuts coffee or something. And they picked you up with smiles. Some of you were Facebook, Twitter, emailed, text, all the rest of that, right? Some of you were promised lunch after church. Let me t- you may or may not get that. Knowing, knowing some of my people here, I, I, some of you were bribed, threatened, or violently dragged this morning to church. However you got here today, I just want to welcome you just the same. And I'm excited for you and for us. And in the next few moments, Pastor Gary and I, we want to talk to you about the local church. See, back when we planted this church, we started a series called Risking Church. Risking Church. And because our hearts and goals are still the same seven years later, we felt it was time to talk about it again. And build on that. And so with where we are right now and with those of you that are here, even if you just might be visiting today, because I understand that coming here today, you took a risk. Right? Some of you took a risk 
to come here today. Listen, you might have had some horrible experiences in the past. You might have had some horrible experiences in church. Church people might have really caused you some damage. Isn't it horrible when we get wounded in the, in the church? The place that should be safe, the place that should be. But I know that some of you took a risk. I know it was risky for some of you to step into another, yet another church and take a chance this morning. But I want to welcome you. For some of you, you might have no experience at all with church. I'm sure there's a couple of us here. Your parents didn't go to church. You never went to church. You never talked about church. Your only experience with church is from watching TV. And isn't that the worst experience? The worst illustration of church that we could ever see? Right? How many of you watched that American Pregnant Teen Again show? With that one blonde Christian? You know, this week she's a Christian. Next week she's a lesbian. Next week she's back with her boyfriend. Next week she's a Christian again. But the, and, and that's fine because, you know, we fall, we get up, we fall, we get up, and that's fine, nothing wrong with that. But the problem with her that I have with her is that she's so annoying when she's a Christian. Right? If you watch the show, you know what I'm talking about. So no matter who you are today, listen, I believe the God of the universe, my daddy in heaven, has you here for a special reason and for a unique purpose. So I want to start with a question today. Why church? Say, why church? That's a great question. I'm glad you guys asked that. The first picture we get of a New Testament church we read about in the book of Acts. Allow me to, to do some teaching for just a minute. Here, he, here's the ministry and the scenario before I, I get to the text. Jesus has walked with his disciples, right? And, and so he's, he's walked with them, he's ministered with them, he's done incredible miracles. He's taught his disciples and he, he taught those that followed him. And then, and then you know, it, the time of his ministry here on earth has come to, a, to an end. And so he goes with them to the Last Supper. You guys know the Last Supper? A lot of you have the picture up on your, on your dining room, right? You know the picture where everybody's sitting on the wrong side, on one side of the table? One of the apostles must have tweeted that picture and leaked it. Now you guys have it, so you know the picture. He had his last supper with his people, and he was telling them, you know, what was going to happen. He, he told them, listen, I'm going to be betrayed. As a matter of fact, one of you fools in here is the betrayer. I'm going to be betrayed, I'm going to be captured, I'm going to be condemned, and I'm going to be crucified, but understand that I'm doing it for you. He says, I have to do this to redeem all men, <coughs> so that your sins may be forgiven. See, Adam's sin condemned all men, because, because the first man sinned, we all born in sin, right? You, you guys can understand that if you have children, right? Your children will learn to lie before they can learn to walk. And you didn't teach them that. Right? We're born sinful. Right? And so Adam's sin condemned all men. Jesus laid down his life to redeem all men. Okay, so it was after his death, Jesus, whose tomb was found empty after three days, he appeared to his disciples, he gave them proof that he was alive, and for 40 days he made appearances so that people would see him, and he would talk about the kingdom of God, and, and you know, he, he spent further time and explanation with them, and then God says, he, he says, I'm going to leave because when I leave, God is going to send the comforter to you. God, if I leave, it's better for you that I go because the Spirit of God is going to come down. God is going to comfort you. And that Spirit of God is going to be with each and every one of you that believe. So Jesus says, I'm going to go so that, so that the Spirit of God can come. 
So now, what happens is that one time they're meeting, they're all in the upper room praying, and the Spirit of God falls on all of them, and they're filled with the Spirit of God, and, and the Word says that they, that they began to speak in other tongues, and pouring out into the streets, speaking in other tongues, and people were saying, yo, these men are drunk! These guys are smoking the donkey weed or something, it's crazy! These guys are tripping, right? And, and so Peter gets up, and Peter preaches his first sermon after Jesus is gone. And I love that because the last thing that Peter did when he was alive was he denied Christ three times. And so the one who denied him last was able to pre-proclaim him first. Isn't that just like the grace of God? No matter what we've done, God can still use us. No matter what we've done, amen, God can still use us. So, so I, I love that. The one who denied him last proclaims him first. So Peter gets up and he tells the people, these men aren't drunk. He says it's early in the morning. And I know for some of you that doesn't matter. You could still be drunk early in the morning. But Peter's saying, it's too early. These people are not drunk. They're not on the wacky weed. What's going on here is that we, what we read about in the, in the Old Testament. And so he brings up old scripture and he says, look, it says it right here from the prophet Joel. The last, in the last days, God will pour out His Spirit on all Flesh and sons and daughters will prophesy and men will have dreams and visions and there will be wonders and signs on the earth below. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so he preaches this message and the people say, well, what do we do with that? What do we do? And so he, he tells them, Peter tells them straight up, he says, well, his, you ready? You want to know what to do? Does anybody today want to know what to do? Peter says, listen, change your life. That's real sugarcoat, right? Change your life. Turn to God. Repent and have your sins forgiven, Peter says. Receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise, this gift is for each and every one of you and for your children and also those who are far away. And the book of Acts tells us that 3,000 people came to the Lord that day. 3,000 people believed. And so now from that day forward, here's the picture of the church. Here's the, the picture that I was telling you about of the early church. It's found in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, in case you want to check it and make sure I'm not lying. Acts 2.42, it says, They committed, they, the church, committed themselves to the teaching of the apostles, the life together, the common meal and the prayers, and everyone was in awe. Of all the wonders and signs done through the apostles. Church, family, if there's a problem today is that the church doesn't have any more awe. We're not in awe anymore of what God can do. God will answer our miracles. God will give us miracles and show us things. God will meet us and talk to us and give us the exact word that we ask them for. And we're still not in awe. We, 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 We have this welfare, whipped cheese mentality where we're entitled. You know what I'm saying? Am I talking to anybody? We're entitled. God should give it. God better speak to me. If I speak to Him, He better speak to me. No, you are a piece of dirt. We, each of us, you understand? I'm not condemning you. I'm saying all of us. We're a piece of dirt made from dust. He, we don't owe us anything. The fact that God would speak to you, us, the fact that God would, it would engage us in worship and, and, and give us the goosebumps or give us the feelings or, or, or give us the, the knowledge that He loves us is more than we ever deserve. Right? So it says the church was in awe of all the wonders and signs done through the apostles and all the believers lived in harmony. This is crazy. 
holding everything in common. They sold whatever they owned and they pooled their resources so that each person's need was met. Is that crazy? Do you see what that means? That means there was rich people and there was poor people and now there were Christian people. And then when there were Christian people, the rich man who had four camels and the poor man who had no camels, the rich man said, here, you have a camel too. Amen? The, the rich man had six sandals, Gucci, Prada, and, and, you know, and, and the poor man had the Salvation Army joints, right? And, and the rich man says, no, you, you, you can rock some Gucci's too. Bam! Right? It, it, I mean, that's community. Do you understand what's happening here? It says they lived together. They pooled their resources. And they followed a daily discipline of worship in the temple, followed by meals at home. Every, every meal a celebration, exuberant and joyful as they praised God. People in general liked what they saw, and every day their number grew as God added to those that were saved. So listen to me, as a t- at a time that it was not popular to follow Jesus, they risked church. It, it, you might think it's not popular now, but listen, every time Peter and John got up and preached a message, shackles, thrown in prison, given a beating or two, and told, don't ever say that name again. And, and Peter would say, well, should we listen to you or should we listen to God? And then God would get them out of jail, and they go right back to the temple courts, right back to the court, and start proclaiming the name again. It was a dangerous time to believe in Jesus. And, and in that time, they still risked church. And the result was community. The result was love. The result was fellowship, generosity. And I want you to notice, and if you do your own study and read through the book of Acts, you'll see that as long as they fellowshiped together and blessed each other, they were blessed. This is key if we're going to get this whole risking church thing. Listen, when there is unity, the presence of God is felt. And where the presence of God is, the power of God is. You you understand? You you know why there's no power in some churches today? You know why there's no, no power sometimes when we gather? Because there's no presence. And why is there no presence? Because there's no unity. Because we all want to come with our own agendas and we all want my ministry better than your ministry and this and this and this and this and what I do with it. No, and when there's no unity, there's no presence. When there's no presence, there's no power. And then we're just getting together. We might as well just be a social club. See, if you read through the first book, the first few chapters of Acts, there was a powerful move of God where the church risked everything they had and everything that they were in order to be in fellowship with one another. And it says that there were miracles happening on a daily basis. The word tells us that people were carrying the sick in from other towns and, and just laying them on the ground so that maybe when Peter would pass by, his shadow would hit the sick person and they'd be healed. Do, do you understand the power that that is? That the presence inside every believer, every believer, not just Peter, not your pastor, every believer, the power, the presence that's in you, the Spirit of God that's in you, everywhere you go, your shadow can mess things up. Everywhere you go, the presence of God goes with you and things can change. Do you? And listen, if we got that, oh man, oh man. See, so it says people were bringing them everywhere. <coughs> excuse, excuse me. It says they brought the sick and the possessed from neighboring villages. And they were all healed. The book of Acts makes it clear. They were all healed. Family, when the church acts like the church... The presence of God is felt, and the power of God is released. The problem is, 
The church doesn't always act like the church. Come tell us about that, G. First, I want to know what are Gucci's. <laughs> it's way over my head there. But you see, Jesus looked into the future and he saw, even in his day, that there was a great possibility of a church arising that would be in trouble. So in Luke chapter 12, it says, Jesus turned first to his disciples and warned them, Beware of the yeast of the Pharisees, their hypocrisy. He told his disciples, you know the twelve guys in the pictures with the halos <laughs> over their head? And Jesus warned them about the Pharisees. He's saying, don't be like them. Who, who are the Pharisees? The Pharisees were religious people. They were the enemies of God. Even though they were religious, even though they prayed, they went to church every day, but they stood against God and His purposes. They fought against the church. Those were the guys that were whipping Peter and the disciples. And you know what Jesus warned them? His people, His disciples... Be careful that you don't look just like your enemy. And how would they look like it, Jesus said? Through hypocrisy. And we hear that word a lot when it comes to church. Well, what is hypocrisy? It has two meanings. The first meaning of a hypocrite is someone who acts one way when they're in church and a whole other way when they walk out the door. Those are the guys who think, well, if I go to church Sunday morning and I wear a cross around my neck and I, every now and then I put scriptures on my Facebook status, I'm okay with God, everything is all right. When actually these people Jesus called hypocrites, God looks for consistency. Those who are the same here, when you walk out, when you, the way I talk to the pastor is the way I talk to my children, to my wife. But the church has fallen far short. And you know what's happened in my experience in church? Many people have seen through the facade and walked away from God, walked away from church. But there's another meaning also for hypocrite. See, the word literally means actor. It's somebody who wears a mask. You could be in church. You're wearing a mask to hide who you really are. You're putting on a show. You're, I'm not going to let people see who I am. And do you know the reason? Because that's a toxic thing to do in most churches. I, I remember when I first got saved, and I was listening to a tape that said, well, you go to church, you got to be real. When you go to church, you need to really express who you are, be honest. So I walked into the church, and one of the ushers came to me and said, How how are you doing today? I said, I'm not doing too good. That was like, you ever see on, on TV when sharks see blood? As soon as they heard I was being transparent and real, and I said I was hurting, here came the sharks past the joint. Oh, 
If you wouldn't feel like that, if you read your word, if you've been praying, you wouldn't be hurting. And I learned to shut myself down. You know, I was once ministering to someone, and I asked him to share something about his past. And here's what he literally said. He said, you could put a gun to my head. And I won't tell you anything about my past. What he was saying is, I'd rather be dead than to be hurt by another Christian if I open myself up and be honest and transparent. See, there's so many people walking in church who are dead inside, but but try to portray life. Jesus said you're like whitewashed tombs filled with dead men's bones. What does that mean? See, and back in those days, if you were a high priest, you couldn't go near a grave. So they would take white paint and paint over the gravestone so the priest wouldn't go near it by accident. And Jesus said, that's you. You look good on the outside, but inside you're dead, you're hurting. And the church has so much promoted that by making it toxic, by by creating an atmosphere where you can't be real and transparent. Secondly, the Pharisees were religious leaders who were more interested in building themselves up and being admired by other people than building up God's people. All the attention had to be like them. It's called elitism. Jesus warned the disciples, don't become like that. Don't be like those Pharisees who put themselves way up here and everyone else is down here. And you know what happens with that type of leader? If they see somebody's becoming a little too anointed, they're becoming a little too popular, they see it as dangerous and they got to shut you down. They'll do anything to try to control you to try to manipulate you. These were the Pharisees. I'm speaking straight Scripture here. These were the Pharisees, and Jesus said, Don't be like those leaders, yet I travel the nations, and everywhere I go, I find some godly, wonderful, pure-hearted men and women leaders. But so often I run into the Pharisees with the superstar mentality. It's all about me keeping my position up there. It's not about me raising up the people of God. It's not about me looking at your gifts and talents and sitting and listening to your dreams and your visions. It's all about me and my vision. And and that so often is what the church has become. In in Corinthians, it says that leaders need to be mothers and fathers. Those who would love you. Those who, who would desire you to go further than they could ever go. And third, the third thing about the, the Pharisees is something called spiritual abuse. If you didn't agree with them, if you challenged them, go back and read the, the Gospels and the book of Acts. They would slap you in the face. They would have you whipped and beaten. They would call you names. I'm going to read a scripture right here, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 20. 
This was Paul the Apostle speaking about these kind of leaders. He says, in fact, you even put up with anyone who enslaves you or exploits you or takes advantage of you, who puts on airs or slaps you in the face. He's talking about in church. He's in the world I expect it. I expect to get beat up out there. I don't expect to walk into a church building and be judged and belittled and ridiculed by the people of God. And why did they do it? So that they could feel like they're up there. The more you could tear someone else up, the more you can judge and belittle someone, the bigger it makes you feel. There was one of these Pharisees, And he stood in the temple, and he looked up to heaven, and you know what he said? He said, thank you, God, that you didn't make me like those sinners down there. And you know what Jesus said? That man went home in his sin, because that's a wrong attitude. We need to walk humbly before God. We need to we need to be the humility of God. We need instead of abuse and hatred and wounding each other. The church was called to be a place of love and compassion and grace. Amen. Amen. So what are we doing here in this little church in the Bronx led by a bunch of nobodies? Great question. We're building community. We're taking the masks off. We're risking church. As a matter of fact, we're putting up hooks where you can come in and hang your mask up. Amen? We're far from perfect, and we're not the only church trying to get it right. So don't think that we're saying, this is the only church doing it. This is the only church that's good. This is the only... No, we're one of the churches that are trying to make this happen. We are one of the body of Christ. We are one of the churches that are really trying to, 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 to get to a place <coughs> where people can belong. Where people can risk being fully known and still be accepted. Church, family, I want to, I want to take you from a place of pain, from a place of hurt, from a place of abuse, and put us in a place of trust and in a place of safety. And in a place of comfort. I want to take you from a place where you have to wear a mask with different people and, and place you in a sanctuary. And the next thing we want to do is we want to reach a culture that has put church on a shelf and traded it for a worldly spirituality. Have you noticed in the world that everybody wants to be spiritual now? Have you seen that spirituality raise up? Right? Everything wants, everybody wants to be spiritual, whether it's through meditation, whether it's through solitude, right? Before it was just, let me, just, I just want to be alone, I'm an introvert. Now it's, no, I need solitude so that I can feel spiritual. Before, right, people used to stretch. No, now yoga is spiritual. Right? Am I, am I talking right? Right? We have positions in yoga. I'm not saying nothing bad about it, but just, just take it for what it is, right? There's positions in yoga where you, where you get yourself in a position and, and that position opens your whatever, whatever new age porqueria nonsense that is, right? 
And, and, and you know, you get, you get on and you get this. And it's not a stretching the hamstrings anymore. No, this is a position. Listen, last time I saw somebody like this, that's worship. That's not stretching. Amen? So, so be careful the spirituality of this world. You, we, 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 we see it in the media, right? We see it everywhere. Yeah, what, Katy Perry has Jesus tattooed on her wrist. And when asked about that, it's because she was a Christian. And she says, well, I know that He'll always be there for me. I know that when I'm done with all this, I can always go back to that. I, I pray you're right, Katy. Little Wayne has fear God on, the, on his eyelids. Tattooed on his eyelids. Fear God. He has another like 60 tattoos of crosses and God and this and that. You know why I believe he put it on his eyelids? So that he could never see it. <laughs> because listen, if, if putting a cross or if putting God on you as a tattoo, if putting on a cross tattoo would make us right with God, I'd have one on my face, right across my face. The cross has to be on the inside. You understand? You have to understand. You have to believe that. Then you can slap it on your arm and be blessed. But don't slap it on your arm before it's on the inside. Amen? There's a, there's a spiritual... See, everybody wants to be spiritual, but nobody wants to follow God's Twitter. Tweet that. Nobody want to read God's tweets. We want spiritual readings from psychics and warm fuzzies from mediums telling us that Titi's still with us and Titi's still following us and Daddy loves us and Daddy's still taking care of us. Listen, think that through for a minute. I love these shows because it does open people up to the supernatural and lets people know that there is a supernatural. And so I love that because if you can start to believe that there is a supernatural, that there is something after, then you have to say, well then, if there is a spiritual, there's got to be a, a spiritual. Amen? It, it kind of can open you up. It, it's a dangerous path to take, but God can use it to open you up to let you know there is spiritual. Uh, um, um, warfare. There is spirits around us. The Word of God says it, but they're angels and demons. It's not your titi, and it's not your, your daddy, and it's not your grandma. I'm sorry if I'm bursting your bubble. I'm sorry if you think grandma's still following you around, taking care of you. She cannot. But just, just even think about it in the, in the regular. Imagine if everybody that ever loved you is now in spirit following you around. You'd be indestructible, right? If that were possible, you'd be, you could walk off of buildings and just walk right off. And grandma will catch you, and daddy will hand you, and he'll hand you down to the mommy, and he'll hand you down to the vecino, and then you'll end up on the floor and never get hurt. Because all these dead people are watching over you. No! The worst is to be absent from the body is to be present for, with God. And, 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 and that's not always a good thing because then comes the judgment. Then we have to stand before God. It's not, you know, I hate doing funerals because at funerals everybody wants you to say, oh, he was a good man. He's not, he's in a better place. The truth is he's not always in a better place. Amen? It's hard to get real like that at a funeral, but it's true. So let's get real like that when we're alive so that I don't have to do it at your funeral. Amen? Everybody wants spiritual shortcuts. Jesus said, there are none. Just follow me. See, I don't know about you, man, but I know I got a team here that we want to be a part of a Book of Acts church where the masks come off, where community is authentic, 
where the power of God is present. I want people bringing their sick in and bringing their sin sick lost to this place. I want to see people laying across the, the, the St. Peter's Avenue because somebody thought, man, if I just put them on that ground, maybe something will happen with them. And, and I want to see the power of God doing that. Amen? So here's the, here's, the, here's the thing, man. How do we get there from here? Well, the first thing I believe the body of Christ has to do, the first thing we have to do is we have to own up to the things that we've done wrong. Come on, Gary. What we're going to do right now, we're going to stand in the place of every and any other church, church leader, pastor, Christian that you've ever known that has done something wrong to you, that has hurt you, that has damaged you, that have, has, has quenches, quenched your spirit, that has, has, has stunted your growth. We're going to stand in the place of them today and we're going to repent. Can I have you stand for a moment? I want this to be official. See, if you're standing, I want you to know I'm talking to you. I'll start it off. If the church or its people have ever made you feel like you couldn't be accepted because of who you are or what you've done, we're sorry. If all you ever heard were words of gossip and judgment... Instead of encouragement and love, we're sorry. If the church has belittled you when you failed or fell, instead of helping you to be restored and move on, we're sorry. If the church ever made you feel that your life or anything you ever did was not good enough, we're sorry. If they've ever overlooked your gifts and your callings and, and negated your success out of jealousy or insecurity, we apologize. If they've ever criticized or shamed you publicly from a microphone, from a pulpit, in front of everyone, we're sorry. If the church or its leaders have ever tried to be the Holy Spirit in your life by controlling you and forcing you to make personal life decisions based on what they feel, we're sorry. If they have ever made you fearful of being rebuked, shunned, or ignored for expressing a different opinion than what they believed, we're sorry. If they've ever hurt you with the word, we're sorry. If in any way that, that the church has ignored your gifts, the talents, your passion, your dreams, your visions, the things that have been important to you, we're sorry. But church, the, the time, it's time to start over, amen? It's time to start things right. And here's the key. I want you to really hear this. David wrote in Psalm 133, it's a quick Psalm 3, three verses. We should memorize it. He says, How good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down the beard, running down Aaron's beard, down the collar of his priestly robes. It is as the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows His blessings even life forevermore. 
Church, blessings follow brotherhood. See, the, the self-righteous thinks, thinks blessings only follow fasting and prayer and good works and hard ministry and sacrifice. But the truth is, you could pray four hours a day, you can fast three meals a week and be part of six different ministries. And I, I, even in the book of Isaiah, it'll tell you if you're nasty and you can't get along with people and you don't show love and you can't walk in fellowship with people, then you've wasted a lot of precious time not eating. And you've exhausted God with your prayers, Isaiah says. You're just a Pharisee who wants to impress people with long prayers and Christian resumes. Church, for too long, the church believed the lie that the church was a place to pretend everything is okay. And a place to show off new clothes and meet potential husbands and wives. A place where everyone but you had it together, and so you had to fake it to make it. Hiding behind masks of false humility and fake holiness. The Word says not one of us is righteous. Not one. And so you, you walk around never being open with anyone to find out if they aren't making it either. And perhaps maybe you were both here to get each other through. But you're both faking it and so nobody knows. So those on the outside have one view of church and it's all distorted and those on the inside have another view of church and that's all fake and phony. It's no wonder why society and our young people think church isn't important. But family, the truth is we were created with this need to have community. For us to really do church, we're going to have to take the masks off and we're going to have to risk being transparent. And guess what that means? Some people are going to use that against you. Some people are going to rejoice in your shortcomings. Some people are going to talk about you. Some people might use that info, your transparency and your realness, to gossip about you. Let them. Let them. Because to risk church, we're going to have to be real and be authentic. Amen? So I'm going to close with this scripture. Hebrews 10.22, it says, let us draw near to God. Worship team, you can come. With a sincere heart and in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we possessed for He who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together, as some of us are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as we see the day approaching. Church, in the next couple of weeks, we're going to be exploring this risking church thing. And so I encourage you to consider risking a couple more Sundays with us. I believe some of you are ready right now, though. Looking at some of your faces, I believe you've been searching for a place to belong, searching for a place to fit in, a place where you can be yourself and be fully known and yet be still accepted. You're tired of faking it. You're tired of trying to fit in. You want something real. Some of you even came saying, if, God, if you're real, you're going to speak to me today. The people asked Peter after they heard his message, well, what are we going to do? 
And Peter said, change your life. Turn to God. Be baptized and have your sins forgiven. Like we said, we're sorry the way that God has been misrepresented to you. That his heart has been misportrayed as an angry God who's always disappointed in you. When actually, he's a God of acceptance. The Bible says his arms are wide open and he will never turn you away. The Bible says he loves you so much that there's nothing that you can do to get him to stop chasing and pursuing you. I, I, I want you to know that God today. If, if you don't know Jesus... Maybe you've never made a decision to make Him Lord of your life. Or maybe at one time you did. Maybe, maybe at one time you used to love to worship Him. You, you couldn't wait to get to church and things happened. And, and you've gone away. Not, I'm not talking about gone away from just church. But you've got, your heart has gotten away from God. We would love right now to pray with you because we want, we want you to know the true God. He loves you. He's calling you. He's drawing you. It's not a coincidence that you're here today. I don't care who begged you to come. The Bible says that nobody comes to God unless the Father draws them. So if that's you, if you're saying... I'm making a decision. I'm going to follow God. I'm giving my life to God today. Whether you've done it before and, you, and things happen, or this is the first time, will you just raise your hand so we could pray with you? Amen. For, for those of you who just raised your hand, can you join me and Pastor George down here? We, we, would, we would love to welcome you personally. We're coming down off that high place. And, and I'm going to ask for all the pastors and, past, and pastor spouses to come and help. Also, if those in the church council would also come and help us. We're just going to begin to pray over you. We're going to bless you right now. We're going to, 
And in any place where you've been hurt, where the curses have come on you, we're turning it around right now. We're going to leave the past behind. And we're coming to a new place. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Have your way. Have your way right now, Lord God. Father, we just welcome you with these, Lord, that are standing here before you, Lord God. And we bless them in Jesus' name. We bless them in Jesus' name. Right now. Yeah.